Well, we should probably talk about something vaguely interesting. Yeah, I guess so. Good luck with that. There's nothing vaguely interesting to talk about. Ugh, you know, what about this pandemic? What's huh? going to be the next Game of Thrones, guys? Oh my I don't know. People hit that again? I think it's going to take a while for us as a nation to come together again. And, like, and like, want that anymore? I mean, just like appointment TV in general has kind of just tapered off since Game of Thrones, you know? I feel like... I mean, there's still things like, there's still Ted Lasso, but I feel like there are definitely less people watching Ted Lasso than there are Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, it almost makes me think that maybe Dune should have been their next... You know, like, instead of trying to make it into a movie, they should have just done a very expensive Dune movie. Yeah, I would have loved a series. Dune would have been good. I mean, I guess Game of Thrones had the advantage also where, like, I think, like, people, some people were certainly aware of the books, but I think by and large, your average person had never heard of A Song of Ice and Fire before. It didn't have to battle with expectations. Right, so, like, it's it's not like, or you think, like, Dune, you're like, oh, that David Lynch movie from the 80s? Right. You don't don't think about, like, oh, that that, that fat guy floating around all the time? Like, oh, I don't want to see that. I don't know. I haven't read the Dune books, but I feel like the Dune books might be better suited to like movies. Like they might be self-contained stories. They get very sprawling. I think that I think it's mostly just that it's that they're very long. Yeah. Books. I but think the, they're they are they are so interconnected. I could see the temptation of making it a series. Trying to get the whole first book inside one movie is hard. And I think that's why they split it in half for yeah. this one. But on the other hand, you also have the issue where now that you've split it in half, you have no promise that you're making a second Dune movie. Right. So it's just kind of like, well, we sure hope people see this yeah. first one so we can finish the book. Just kind of like, have you made a satisfying movie then? Like, if this never gets a sequel, does it end in a place that feels like an ending? Or right. do you just like... Be like, and the end of part one, come back in a year. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. But I, mean, I don't know. I've, I'm kind of torn. It depends. I guess it's a case-by-case thing, but I, I do feel like, in general, like, novel to movie is too short story to TV episode. Yeah. And, like, I, I would, if I was adapting something, I would probably aim to try to make it a series of movies versus, like, a TV show. Yeah. It does seem like we, as a nation, have reached the point where we no longer want to see one book split up over two movies. I feel it, it, people kept acting like that was going to become the new thing, but it didn't really last for that. Well, no, like everyone did assume it was going to become a new thing because for a while it seemed like it was fairly profitable. And then we just decided like, nah, not really. It just, it fucks up your pacing. It does. You end up having two mediocre movies that should have yeah. just been one movie. I mean, right. no, no story is meant to be broken up into halves in, in a succinct fashion. And right. Again, which is the Dune concern. Yeah, and then you basically have to make up new arcs for those individual movies to follow so they feel satisfying and not transitional. Right. Which a lot of times they fail to do. Yeah, I, I haven't seen Dune, I haven't read Dune, I just feel like it's not... It can't end well. If you couldn't have done it in one movie, I feel two like, movies is certainly not the answer. I feel like getting, getting book one done in two movies, I understand that. I think if you wanted to adapt to the rest of the material, you probably should make it into either a TV show or a miniseries. It gets so sprawling and dense yeah, but that it would be hard to contain into it. ever imagine them being like, and now that we've done two movies, we're switching to TV, baby. Right. Like, it just, it does not happen that way. Unless it happens that way. Is it, remember, like, the Divergent series? Yes. How, then no one wanted to. Right. How then, like, they were like, well, actually, the last book will be a TV series. And then they're like, actually, we won't do it at all. <laughs> no one's going <laughs> no, no one wants to. <laughs> nothing of value was lost. another episode of Why Did We Watch This, the podcast where three friends sit down with a troubled movie, have a themed cocktail, and then have a chit-chat about what was bad, what was good, and what we could do better. I am your host for this week, Lee. 
It hurts. Delahanty. I'm Chris. John, my love, go! Ravel. And I am Brendan Willow Avenue. Trishler. And if you could the not The spookiest tell. of all avenues! Blah! Willow! <laughs> and if you could not tell from those nicknames, we have just finished watching 2005's White Noise. Yep. Uh, directed by Jeffrey Sachs. <laughs> and starring Michael Keaton and really no one else. Yep. There are literally Deborah, no one Deborah else. Deborah Unger as Sarah, Chandra West as Anna, and Ian McNeese as Raymond Price. Like, these, like... They're actors, right? But they're not like actors whose names you'd necessarily know, no. right? I did, did I, I did not recognize. Yeah, we, uh, we got a um, we got a watch along in the yeah we do Ian McNeese Ian McNeese mm-hmm. yeah as as uh, Mayhew in Mayhew. A Life of Ordinary. Yeah, that's right. Now I personally prefer Jim McNephew, but I was fine with McNeese. Wow, Ian, Ian. <laughs> but it was a good attempt at a joke. Thank you. Always, I always gotta get my one attempt in. That's right. You tried. That's the that's Uh, the medal I'm I'm making for you, Chris. You tried, and with a period at the end. You tried the gender queer Terry McNibbling. (laughs) Oh God. Talking about how much I fucking hate the term nibbling. It sounds like you're gonna eat your. No, it does, and I, yeah, I agree. It's bullshit that there's no gender neutral term yeah. for like a sibling's is. child. It's a gender neutral term for niece or nephew. Yeah, and like if I agree, we need a word for that. But nibbling is like such a bad. Like if word. I yeah. wanted to summarize, if I wanted to uh, reference both my niece and my nephew, yeah. I could say my nibblings, but it yeah. makes no sense. But no, because I agree, it does sound like you're going to eat them. Like you're like yeah. a witch living yeah. in a gingerbread <laughs> house. Like oh, my nibblings, my nibblings, come over for Nibblings, and that's our Halloween episode. Bye. Night, thank you. But this is our Halloween spectacular, so that's why we're of course doing White Noise, what is ostensibly some sort of horror movie. Yeah, yeah, it definitely it has like the shape and like the cadence of a horror movie and the look and feel. Yeah. Well, I don't know about the feel. Yeah, it has. It's 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 an incredible simulation of a horror movie. A simulacrum. Well, we did need some alcohol to get through it, so what did we drink for this? Chris, what did we drink for this? We drank a white Russian noise, uh, which you'd need 24 milk ice cubes, 3 ounces of vodka, 3 ounces of coffee liqueur, a half cup of strong coffee, agave syrup, dark chocolate sauce, Irish whipped cream, uh, which is 1 cup whipping cream, 2 teaspoons of sugar, tablespoons of sugar, and 2 tablespoons of Irish cream. Uh, So you just need to freeze the milk in an ice cube tray overnight, add the ice cubes, vodka, coffee liqueur... And coffee into a blender, blend until smooth, add agave syrup to taste, drip dark chocolate syrup around the inside of each glass so that it will kind of streak down the drink as it's poured in, pour the blended drink into the glasses and top with whipped cream, then you can drizzle chocolate syrup on top in some kind of sound wave pattern. It should be noted we did not use agave syrup in this, that was our contingency plan. Yeah, also, some fuck forgot to freeze the milk, I don't know who that could (laughs) have been. I don't know who either. Some idiot yep. didn't have their head on straight. But uh, so what instead we did was uh, roughly half the amount of ice and milk, and, and yeah. so yeah. E- even parts yeah. ice we and milk. Twelve ice cubes and effectively twelve cubes worth of milk. Yeah, um, and interestingly, that I mean, I didn't. We don't. We'll never know, I guess, unless we ever make it again. We'll never know. We'll what just it never know. Taste like, but it tasted pretty good. Yeah, it actually worked out pretty well. Still, it was a delicious desserty drink. It was like it was desserty, but it was not overtly sweet. Yeah, which I think is definitely helped by the fact we used. Cold 
cold brew coffee, yes. so it's yes. a little more bitter. Yeah, we used cold brew, um, and we did not dilute that with any right. Water. And we used dark chocolate syrup instead of like your standard Hershey's chocolate syrup, which is obviously like a lot more sweet by nature. Yeah. So, um, you know, there 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 were means that we took to make this a little less sugary than a white Russian might normally be, uh, and I think it, they they all worked pretty well actually. It tasted for me more like a treat than a than a white Russian normally is. You know what I mean? It's been so long since I've had a white Russian, I almost don't have a frame of context well, for it. Well, a now. white Russian, it just sounds This was just so milkshake Yeah, well... Yeah, well, I, I agree that, like, most milk-based alcohol is just, like, it's not a good thing. Yeah, you know? you're like... Mm. I don't enjoy milk-based alcohol. Unless yeah. it's, like, if, if you're doing, like, an ice cream, like, a float kind of thing, which we've done before and has worked out pretty well, or a milkshake, like, that's fine. I just think the idea of sort of, like, an undiluted milk or cream with alcohol is just, yeah. like, an unpleasant thing for me to wrap my head around. I just don't care for it. Nope. No, thank you. Don't do it. This was very pleasant. Yeah, yeah. No, this worked out. This worked out pretty well. It was uh, really yummy. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's um, a huge win. I think we've been on kind of a, a small roll. Either. Yeah, we have. With a rough start to this year, drinks wise. I, yeah, but I mean, Margarita Month by and large were Margarita Month. Yeah, that was that was also well. that was a success. Yeah. I would. I don't yeah, think the first say. half of this year was particularly kind to me and my my particular taste taste palette. Do you feel like we're turning a corner for you here at White Noise? We can only hope so, yeah. <laughs> See what happens next month. Yeah, man. We'll, we'll find we'll, out. We do some, we do some winter sangria again. I'll be good to go. I'm yeah. very excited. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we definitely got to do that. Yeah. God, can you do a hot sangria? Is that like a thing? Do you think we I could think do that? I think that's just mulled wine. Okay, I was just going to say, like, would that just be mulled wine? Yeah, I would okay. think that's just mulled wine. Okay. I mean, I guess we could still do that, because I just fucking, like, the, How, the mulled wine months. You know, However, if you were to research hot sangria and find something completely I'll different. I'll mulled wine January... Yeah. Uh, winter, winter sangria. sangria. All right, that's fine. So yeah. we'll do hot, yeah, like a hot, fruitier let's sort do, of drink in December, and let's then let's do a, wine winter. Wine winter. Wine, wine winter. winter. Wine. Okay, we need yeah. something for February. So think about a that. Spritzer. Listen, yeah, twenty twenty one. February. The right. February, of course, would be a Valentine's Day thing, as we yeah, always yeah. do. Yeah. So we need something like light and frothy. Yeah. With the wine. So yeah, wine spritzer is a good call. Oh my god. All right, there we go. We got it figured out. Yeah, guys. Yeah. We got the rest of the year and early next year figured out. I'm so glad everyone so got this ahead of ourselves. Yeah, this is how it works. Uh, I'll, I'll do the synopsis for, yeah, let's, for let's White Noise. Yeah, let's get into what this right. movie's about. So, uh, uh, let, me, let me take a little peek here at Wikipedia. Jonathan Rivers is an architect and lives with his wife, Anna, until her unexpected death. <laughs> Eventually, he is contacted by Raymond Price, whose son has also died. He says he has recorded messages from Anna through electronic voice phenomena, EVP. While Jonathan is initially dismissive and angered, he later learns about his wife's tragic drowning. Desperate, he begins to believe that the recorded voice is indeed that of his wife, and becomes obsessed with trying to contact her himself. He is warned by a psychic that, while she takes measures to avoid hostile entities, EVP is an indiscriminate process that offers no such safeguards. A woman named Sarah Tate, who also came to Raymond for his EVP work because she lost her fiancé, befriends Jonathan. Raymond is found dead. Jonathan begins to be followed by three demons. We'll come back to yeah, that. Yeah, we'll come back Attracted to Attracted by his obsession with EVP and finds that some of the messages he receives are from people who are not yet dead, but may soon be. Jonathan hears cries from a woman whom he finds in a car with a child. He is able to save the child, but not the woman. At that woman's funeral, which Jonathan and Sarah both attend, Jonathan approaches the husband and tells him about what happened. The latter thanks Jonathan for saving his son, but then demands to be left alone. Afterward, Jonathan sees images of another person, a missing woman named Mary Freeman, while working with his EVP devices. Sarah is later seriously injured by a fall from the balcony while possessed by the demons, an incident which was foreshadowed by Sarah's image being among those on the EVP devices. Jonathan locates the site of his wife's death by following signs on the recordings and also finds his wife's abandoned car. 
Did that happen? Uh, I don't quite remember the that. The police show up to his house. I don't remember anything else. I don't either. Okay. Um, Jonathan finds a set of computers and electronic equipment on site. A construction worker from his company who has been doing his own EVP work is holding Mary captive. He has been under control of the demons to kill all these people, including Anna. The three demons torture Jonathan by breaking his arms and legs and cause him to fall to his death. But a SWAT team arrives and are able to save Mary by shooting the construction worker dead. After his funeral, Jonathan's voice can be heard on the radio through static interference saying, I'm sorry, to his son, who recognizes the voice and smiles. Sarah, at the graveside in a wheelchair, is menaced by odd noises. Right before the credits, the camera flashes to a TV where Jonathan and his wife are visible. You know, no need to really say the actors, I think, in this so much, but Michael Keaton is Jonathan Rivers, Deborah Kara Unger is Sarah Tate, Chandra West is Anna Rivers, Ian McNeese is Raymond Price, and I think it's worth noting that the construction worker guy who is the killer who has killed Jonathan's wife and this kidnapped woman or tries to kill this kidnapped woman does not have a name. His character is so insignificant that, like, they didn't even bother naming him, he, and he's just called Worker. He barely has anything. Right. So I just want you just, just, just keep that shit in mind. I think also one thing I want to go into real quick before we sort of do the dive here. I, I didn't really know anything about this movie going in, except I knew what you had basically told me, which is a loose logline where it's like a guy starts getting messages from his wife using EVP picks her up on, you know, recordings or whatever. Right. I did not know for one that there was going to be this sort of mystery in the beginning where it's like, is she dead? Is she not dead? Was she murdered? Was she not murdered? That sort of yeah. came out of nowhere. I did not I know that, about that, that this was going to take a tangent, some sort of almost procedural type thing where Jonathan goes off in a tear and thinks that his wife is showing him images of people who are going to die but have not yet died and that he can save. Mm. And I also think it is a wild assumption on this Wikipedia article's behalf Perhaps an assumption that came from listening to the commentary, I could not tell you, that these shadowy figures are demons. Yeah. Which there is no context for in the movie. At no point you would think the thing to do would be to have Ian McNeese's character mention, like, also this can attract demons. Stay away from that. Even if the psychic said this can attract demons. They say things like it's not safe and there are angry forces out there. Yeah. But they don't ever explicitly say, like, also demons from hell are giving us problems Please watch out for those. There are three lads who've been bopping around my house. Three mad lads. Three mad, mad lads. lads. They're very mad. They were very bastard. Yeah, they could call like a bastard and pig. <laughs> She's ours. They're truly the maddest of mad lads. If that's all the demons do, really. I just feel so stupid. If it's demons, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be like harassing by calling them bastards. That feels. Like I know that, that's right. like such a pedestrian thing yes. to do. Right? It feels like a it feels like a pulled punch that they only say bastard. I mean, it feels like a middle schooler. Like if you piss off a middle schooler, like hey, like you big fat dummy. Okay, okay right. sure. You're like all right, all right, whatever, kid. Um, Go back inside. Stop smoking. It's <laughs> those middle schoolers have got to stop smoking. They really do. Um, it's dangerous, kids. Don't do it. It's yeah, no, that part's pretty weak. I also kind of feel like. I forgot what I was going to say. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, boy. That well, train derailed. Yeah. I, essentially, it is all of the stuff in the Wikipedia article and a lot of the stuff that we might talk about um, are are our best guesses. Right. Yeah. Movie, if you look at the facts of the movie, there are almost none. It is that yes. there are these three spooky things that seem to be causing a lot of right. chaos They're for kind reasons of that, that are never explained. And they mainly go unnamed. Well, I mean, they are unnamed. Yeah. You don't know what they are. I just, like, there's not even a thing of, like... Oh, those are shades. Right, those no, are yeah. ghosts. I mean, also, those like, are... why are there three of them? I realize that's kind of like a nitpicky thing to be like, why are there three as opposed to one? But really, like, why are there three of them? You know, like, yeah. why, 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 why bother? Um, I had tried to look up information oh, about this movie just I mean, because I, I was, I looked, yeah, yeah, there's nothing, right? Because I, I was curious as to if this script had changed at some point. I was curious. I, I, to me, I feel like we'll get into it, but I had felt like maybe this had sorted off as a different kind of story and got veered mm -hmm. into this EVP, this sort of like content of EVP got roped in or the horror aspect of it came yeah. late 
because it doesn't feel like let's get, let's just we'll get into genre with this because I'm not convinced that this sort of life is a horror movie. I think that's very plausible. I, I don't think it ends up as a horror movie yeah. either. What I would just say is this feels like a story that inevitably started out as one thing and then other concepts got glommed onto it. I don't yeah. I can't say with any certainty that it was not an EVP movie at one point or that it was like maybe it was originally an EVP movie and someone was like that's kind of weak as a premise. What if the wife helped him solve mysteries instead? Yeah. And like okay, sure, whatever. It's just weird to have... You're starting off with EVP as something that you are setting your premise at least around it. Right. right. You're opening crawl. You have an opening about crawl in this it's about EVP. Where it's Thomas Edison being like, EVP oh my God. sure would be neat. Can we also... This is going to be such a quibble, but can we talk about how just the opening, yeah. the opening crawl is... Like paragraph fragments mm-hmm. yeah. that is so fucking hard to follow. We're calling it a call to, but it's not. It's just like they faded them in or out. They right, like, like you could have just had it be one but, paragraph, and, yeah. and but like, and it wasn't. It's like sentences are broken across them right. too, which makes it very confusing. Yeah, and by the end of it, you're like, oh, okay, I still don't know what that was supposed to mean. Right, um, and it's sort of a sign of like worse things to come too, because like the credits crawl just looks like someone made it in Final Draft or something, yeah. and they just stuck in a, like, yeah. static effect in some cases. I was just thinking to myself, God, if ever there's there overlap between this and Rise of Skywalker, with both opening crawls just saying, the dead speak. The dead, the speak. dead speak! Oh, man. Yeah, so, like, it's funny that you're starting off so heavily centering EVP, and then they immediately are like, and through EVP, you're also seeing ghosts in the TV. Right, I mean, so that's... And... Right, there's a lot that, whenever he's talking with Ian McNeese, Ian McNeese is kind of, like, laying down what you, as a viewer, might assume the rules are about EVP, where he says something like, you can't observe it happening naturally, you have to record it and listen to it, and then you'll find in playback what things are being said to you. Also, you'll find that you don't see them right away, you'll just hear them, and then later on, they'll reveal themselves to you on static, like, like a static channel on a TV. We also break one of those rules several times throughout the movie where he says you can't hear it happening like as it's in real time and it happens on car radios several times at least it happens to michael keaton it happens to his creepy baby at the end yeah they all hear like very clear voices coming through on their car radios it happens during the bastard attack as well that was happening in real time that wasn't a recording i thought it it might what's the best when you say the bastard attack you mean like at the end of the movie no No, it's like closer to the middle here's my where they're just kind of moving around the speakers going bastard bastard that was happening in real time i thought that was playback i think it was playback I think I, you could argue that there is a bit of a problem in this movie that I don't know when exactly. things are happening That's in real time versus playback. Yeah. Like in that scene where they're all talking, uh, where unclear. he's with the girl and then the, the woman herself appears on the thing. Like, right. was that a tape? Was right. that live? I don't know. Right. He watches. The thing is, is that he's sitting there obsessed with watching these and it seems sometimes like he is watching a live feed, but maybe right. he's not. Maybe he's just constantly playing. Right. I mean, that's what I'm wondering. Like, is he tapes. just watching a VHS tape of white noise that he recorded yeah. earlier that day and is just looking for something in it? I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. In like, any case, we have this movie called White Noise, right. and then the opening crawl is about EVP, but not... That's kind of it. It's the very little, like, yeah, It's there's maybe a tiny bit of EVP-esque stuff, but right. it's mostly, like, for some reason they feel the need to call attention to EVP, when really they're just telling a story about ghosts, ghosts be spoken through TV and right, radio sometimes, right, right. and it's like, that's all they do, like, it's not EVP, and it's fine, like, we've already seen Poltergeist, but yeah. right. movies where ghosts can, like, fuck with TV waves, so, yeah. like, that's what you wanted to tell a story about. 
Don't yeah. talk about EVP. Don't so drag much. EVP into the universe. Yeah, like it's just not really EVP at this point. It just yeah, it muddles it. It makes it confusing. I feel like at no time do we get very much clarity about what's going on or why. Yeah. Throughout the movie, and then also ghosts at the end are just there. Right. Right. His wife just shows Shat up. At the end. So it's like, well, if I thought this was a movie, a world where they could only communicate through these radio, but now right. they just show up apparently. Right. And and also the lads show up several times yeah. throughout the movies. They kill him first. Like kill Ian McNeese prior to just like you already know that they're able to physically affect the world. They possess yeah. Deborah Kyra Unger and make her jump off the balcony for some reason. Mm-hmm. Again, what are the rules of this? Why are these guys able to physically interact with the world? Yeah. And why is his wife not, except until the end when she is? Yeah, and why, what's so different? What's different about the end where she's able to show up? I'm so confused. I don't know. Yeah. Because then also the three lads show up in that same moment right, as well. Like snap all his bones. Yeah, and they do all that. Yeah, they do that stuff that presumably they is how they also fucked up the, the, the labs. McNeese. Yeah, right. right. So I guess I was just, I don't know, you probably could have done this Michael Keaton like half an hour ago, you know? Like, why are you waiting this <laughs> long? Um, no real reason. Brendan, you had mentioned before when I was talking about, when we watched this the first time, I just couldn't get over how like weirdly bad this whole movie looked. Mm-hmm. You pointed something else out about how this was sort of like a proof of concept that they could just make a really cheap, shitty movie and people oh. go to see it in February. Well, because this was like... Yeah, this it's was not a proof that, of concept per se. But. Yeah, they didn't de- deliberately right. do this. This is the f- they accidentally discovered that people will see movies in February. The long the long running yeah. thought in Hollywood was that you can put things in theaters up until December, and that's your you know your prestige time, your family time, your big movie time. But then afterward, people are coming off of Christmas. The weather is often bad. They don't want to leave their house. They don't want to go see movies. So generally speaking, movies that come out in January and February are like movies that studios don't really want want to release, but they have to. Yeah. So those were called the dump months, where you just, like, shove them in theaters then. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, this movie made money. It also helps that this movie was very cheap to produce. Mm-hmm. That definitely assisted. But, but like, it, it shows how cheap it yeah. was. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. This is not, again, this is not an expensive movie by any stretch of the imagination. This inexplicably made money, which is what made studios realize, oh, we can actually put out movies in these months and they will make money. This is not just I see. A, dead, a, a, dead, yeah, a dead zone for us in terms of financial the, enterprise. The TLDR is that this movie is why we get a horror every January. Yeah. yeah. No, this this, this this is it. Yeah. yeah. Every year. Because what they, they learned this lesson and all they seemingly took away from it was like, well, I guess it has to be horror. Right. I think, well, I mean, yeah, I think that's something. It's like a cheap horror. You cheap can put horror. cheap horror movies and people will see them. Yeah. And I that is still sort of a principle that applies to this day, not even strictly to January, but just the idea that, like, you can crap out a horror movie for $10 million, yeah. put it in theaters, and you'll make, like, $50 million or something off of it. You'll make a profit, you know? It's just, I guess it's just funny to me that I wouldn't classify the movie we watched as horror, but I would also say the movie itself struggles to stick to one shape. I mean, so that's the thing. I definitely, I, I would consider it in theory a horror movie there are several jump scares that this movie has i can tell that it's sort of trying to be a horror movie like anytime where the lads kind of pop up where they just pop up over his shoulder for that one quick second Mm -hmm. or where they're doing their little jump out in the hallway when he's in the bathroom those are like jump scare type moments and you have a couple of other ones even not related to the lads this is ostensibly a horror movie there are ghosts there are malevolent ghosts or demons and you are scared when they show up writ by and large it turns into sort of more of a procedural or thriller I suppose the thing is it feels like the horror was tacked on to me because so much of it is about uh uh, it's it's about too many things, but yeah. it's uh, it's simultaneously about this guy's inability to to like accept the loss of his wife, right? right. And also this like mystery of uh, being able to hear people who are on the verge of death and yeah. like 
having to like piece together the clues to figure out when and where they're going to die so that he can prevent their death. Right. Is he seeing them so that he can prevent their death? Because he seems to think that he is. But then on the other hand, you have him see like this woman's grandmother. It's not like she died in an accident or something. She was in the hospital. Like yeah. she was an old woman and she died because she was an old woman. In that, in that case, she had something to say in that clip that he conveyed, right? Smile. Yes. Yeah, her grandma was like, you don't smile enough, honey. Yeah. You're never going to get a husband with that I know, face. Right? I would have felt just like, oh, great. Thanks. Thanks, grandma. Thanks a lot. I mean, yeah. I, I would too, but I get this, like the movie, to the movies, whatever little credit you want to give it. Her story was that the girl's mom had died giving birth to her and that the grandma was like, if I die, I will let you know if Things I see okay, your mother again mm-hmm. in the afterlife. And so she thinks that her grandma saying smile was her way of saying like, things are going to be better. I, I get it. I'm sure like if, if someone just came to me and was like hey your, your dead great aunt says smile I'd be like great thanks a lot for yeah, that yeah. the movie again for whatever little credit you want to give it does the work as to explaining as to why that would matter to her my point is more just is the point of him getting these video messages that he's supposed to save them or that he's supposed to do something or is it nothing at all his wife I guess is presumably sending him these messages but I don't know why she's sending him all of these messages is her point that like he needs to do something about it or is she just showing him things I don't even know if it's clear that his wife is sending him he, yeah he, I agree he thinks that he claims that like oh right. my wife is showing me these things. right if I he, think he's just getting I think he's just not got the channel tuner no and right. I think it could easily be one of those things like as you're watching this movie you could easily assume that at the end it's going to be like no the bad ghosts yeah. were showing you these things for x y and z reasons not nah, you don't really ever find out why he's really getting these messages if yeah. you want it to be that his wife is helping him help other people that's one option if you want it to be his wife is upset that she was killed by this murderer and wants him to figure out who this murderer was and stop him from killing this other woman uh-huh. that's an option too if you just want it to be that he's getting things that's fine as well this movie seems to be like I don't know all three sure why not yeah it makes it very hard to sort of pin down which I think comes back to what Chris said about it doesn't really feel like a horror movie because you have a hard time tracking down what precisely is like, going on by what route this movie wants to take yeah and it, it gives the sense that a lot of what it's doing is just sort of burning up time because inevitably some of these plot lines or pot, plot beats more like because I don't a lot of this, uh, there's a lot of shit that just sort of happens without, like, enough setup or development. So it's just more like we go through plot beats that are inevitably have nothing to do with what the movie appears to think is the main plot. So my assumption is the movie believes the main plot is about catching the person that killed Michael Keaton's wife, right? So then why do we really need, like... The grandma. The grandma. Right. Why do we need that? I feel like we could have gotten the same information in a way that was more in line with the story. Yeah. Um, it just kind of felt like the writer was like, wouldn't it be fun if this was a procedural? And then was like, oh, wait, yeah. there's a plot I have to get back I guess, to. So I guess the tie-in is supposed to be that it's the three lads who are showing images to his co-worker who killed those people. And that's the reason why he's murdering women, because the three lads want him to kill people. So I guess what the movie thinks is happening is that it's tying together those two threads successfully by being like, ah, you thought this was a disparate thread, like right. three grumpy ghosts and a serial killer. Yeah. It turns out the three grumpy ghosts are controlling the serial killer, so it all connects at the end. Yeah. And of course it, it doesn't. And and the, only, like, the only grandmother, the only reason for grandmother in that in this case is that's how he finds out that the people he's hearing from aren't dead right yet. Correct. But even that is information that could have been obtained more usefully. Yeah. yeah. I feel like you could have obtained yeah. that through. So we've been yeah. kind of talking about it, but yeah, the story of this is bizarre. 
I guess it's also, I'm sorry, didn't necessarily cut you off. It is also just weird that, again, for a movie that makes, and I know we've said this, such a fuss about EVP, that he's not getting messages from dead people. He's mm-hmm. getting messages from almost dead people. Yeah, they're which is just like, that's not, again, of duress. Right, that's still not what you, you're like getting messages from the future, basically, is what yeah. you're getting, which is also not what EVP is ostensibly. Again, it's, yeah, it's, it's nuts. And it, there's a, it, I don't want to get into it, but there's like a sequel where almost the same exact situation happens where somebody gets premonitions about somebody's about to die, but not through EVP, through yeah. like different mechanisms. So it's like, what is the rules of this universe are all over the place. Right. I mean, to be fair, like that sounds like a decent enough premise for a horror movie. It just feels like it's one of those things where they were like, I don't know, the first one made money. So like, yeah. you want to just throw a sequel out there exactly. and see what happens. Also one that other movies have done. What's that? Other, it's also a premise that a lot of other movies. Oh have yeah, done. no, no, for sure, for sure. Um, no, like no, no points for Dead Zone, here. The Eye, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, Autonomous, which we hate, but <laughs> the book was fun. Um, but no, this so the story of this is really bizarre, and it goes through some like it really zigs and zags. Yeah, but not in ways that I find interesting, and they're no, not they're in, not in ways, ways that, that like are inconsistent. Right, it, or it just feels like we spend about fifteen minutes on this one plot, then we spend yeah. fifteen minutes on another plot, then we have to go back to the first one because we kind of forgot about it. Yeah. It's also I find I think that contributes to an overall. Um, this movie doesn't stick to you. It doesn't stick in your brain. It doesn't stick in your memory. And when it makes these choices to keep changing shape in ways that are hard to follow, it keeps subtracting the ability to, like, care about what's going on. Yeah. So, like, it starts off with this idea that the wife, she doesn't even appear dead for 15 or so minutes. Right, where she's just missing. Yeah, she's, like, vanishing for a while, and it's while she's missing but not us discovered dead Uh that the EVP guy first shows up and is like, ah, your wife is talking to me, and I don't know. Your wife's definitely dead and she's talking to me. Well, I don't know. Maybe she wasn't dead. Maybe if the rules of this movie hold true, maybe she was That's near true. dead. That's right. That's right. Maybe she was two days maybe away from death. Maybe if he fucking paid attention yeah. to that guy the first time. I mean, maybe if Ian McNeese had, like, I don't know, approached him in a more convincing manner. Yeah, and just, like, like stalking I'm, a, him. I'm a crazy lunatic, yeah. and I'm telling you your wife is dead. Even weirder, it's like, I'm outside your house, now I'm outside your house. I know. Yeah. Like, what a creep. I know. I just feel like right. the nice way to do it would just be to sort of approach him in a public forum and just be like, I know this is going to sound like a lunatic talking to you, but... Yeah. Those moments were the ones that felt the most, like, Mothman prophecy to me. Yeah, or some nut- cases like trying to like yeah. convey just, yeah but then it doesn't really i mean like it sort of goes somewhere but not really and you're like yeah this had a lot of mothman prophecy feelings in I terms mean, of right like, like we said again like dead wife general weirdness yeah. mounting to not a lot right guy getting messages from dead wife guy kind of becoming obsessed with this thing. right right bunch of weirdos keep to, popping up to the detriment of his son who is also <laughs> barely a presence in this yeah movie. his son is just like being well taken care of by the ex-wife yeah by the whole movie. it does sort of like there, there is like one shot i think toward the end where the ex-wife is taking him away from his from the uh, Michael Keaton's apartment order, she kind of gives him a look like, "What the f- like? Are you fucking dumping him off on yeah. me yet again?" Well, and he's like, "Isn't there's a point at which they show the like really weird sterile apartment that Michael Keaton has moved into with his son, yeah. at, presumably after the wife has died, and it's always like blue." and kind of dark and dim except for this like glass wall and like on one side of the glass wall the kid is like lonely playing with toys and he kind of looks over and Michael Keaton is like huddled in a blanket like three inches away from a static (laughs) screen and you're just like Wow, like the ex-wife in this case must just be like, I guess he just went nuts. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I feel sympathy for the ex-wife in this movie because she's just basically like, look, I get it. His wife died, but maybe he's talked to a lawyer and have like, our, our visitation <laughs> yeah, changed because yeah, like maybe he shouldn't be staying with him right now. Yeah, um, but yeah, so the wife when she finally does is discovered dead, it's not even then. It's like it's like when he gets a call. 
It's he, like he 2.30 in the morning. He goes his job, yeah. and then he gets a call on his wife's, or his phone, from his wife's cell phone. Right. And his wife's cell phone is, like, off. And that's what right. prompts him to finally go through this, like, EVP thread. And he starts with, like, getting these messages, and he starts to get these confusing ones. Then it starts to mix in this element of he gets the Tomlinson Street. It's the the Susie Tomlinson is the yeah or whatever. Yeah. And he thinks he's like, oh, he's doing a good job of explaining death. And then he finds out, oh, she wasn't dead when right. I heard her message. And then he, he gets upset. And that's when he goes back to the guy's house. And now the EVP guy is fucking murdered. Yeah. And and no, not a lot of, like, questions go into right. why, what the fuck went right. down. No, they do, they, they do see, he's murdered in a fairly gruesome way. Yes. Where, like, everything is thrown around. He's been crushed by TV monitors. Yeah. And they're just kind of like, boy, real shame about him, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what, oh, my God. What, like, some clearly foul play. Right, yeah, right. So, like, I feel like Sarah takes a look at it and she's like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> this news. is, like, no accident. This is some fucked up shit shit that's right. happened that everyone's just kind of like oh, dull surprise yeah like, yes oh. he died and you'd think also that when Shucks. he consults that psychic later on the psychic's like this is very dangerous i have barriers in place to prevent this sort of shit from happening but you do yeah. not you would think like that would trigger him to be like, like oh yeah. i remember something very dangerous happened to someone who was doing this maybe i should mention this to deborah Carunger and be like hey potential snag yeah something bad's going on here but it's not as far as we know yeah so they, they don't question that at all Ever. they just he carries on his obsession about like hearing not dead people with Deborah Carrugger and <laughs> mm-hmm. But and then it's they also they never make it clear if what he's hearing, like I'm sure some of those people are dead, yeah. but some aren't. Who and, knows? And this go this starts to he starts to bring up this idea that his wife is like telling him all this for some right. reason, that he's convinced that he has to like stop. Right, that his happening. wife is showing him things specifically from this area. Yeah. So that he can help people before and they die. She like shows him this woman about to this die. This woman screaming in a car. In yeah. a car yeah. and he like somehow goes and finds it. Because they keep hearing Willow Avenue. But the weird thing is also just going off of that, you hear a man's voice saying Willow Avenue. I don't know who that voice is was saying Willow Avenue. Yes. That was my that was my imagination. I guess it could be, but I feel like it was not consistently GPSy enough. It's not the lads because they sound very angry when they shout things. One would almost think that there's a version of this movie where Ian McNeese should be talking to him from the afterlife and being like, "Hey, let me yeah. help you too. Yeah. Go there." I don't know who it is who's telling him to go to Willow Avenue. Like, it shouldn't be the ghost because why would the ghost want him to come there and stop them from killing people? I don't know. So, like, again, where is this coming from? Anyway, I'm sorry, could I digress. You, could you imagine if I'm also digressing right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, go for it. If why like not? the go- all of this ghost communication. Was was just like basically some sort of like very expensive collect call. That'd be and incredible. So they only have like <laughs> three seconds to like two or three seconds to get You have a collect out. call from. Yeah. Get to a little real quick. Lady, the car died. It's like that fucking old commercial of the collect. We had a baby. It's a boy. That's a boy. But yeah, that's, that's why she's always she goes like, John, go down. John, John, don't. John, my love, don't. John. Yeah. Um, well, and then like I also just I love that at that at the funeral for the woman that died in the in the car but the child was saved by Michael Keaton I just love that Michael Keaton is like I know what I'll do I'm gonna talk to this grieving husband about how like how he how in the funeral as they are out. leaving the yeah. church with his wife's body like three steps right. ahead of him Michael Keaton jumps in front of him and was like hey uh yeah. can, can we have a chat real quick and then, but then here's where I do, here's where I'm lost because yeah. 
I that's a horrible idea. Yeah. We all know this, but yeah. what I'm really not expecting at all is the is the zero to sixty reaction from the, the husband. husband yeah. Get the fuck away from right, me. Right, where he goes from just like, hey, thanks for like saving the baby. Yeah, he's yeah. like, how's it been? Like, oh, baby's okay. And then it's just all of a sudden he's like, yeah, like so. I, I think I got to tell you that she was calling for me. He's like, no, fuck you. Fuck like you. she was into this shit. I wasn't. Get out of here. Right. Yeah. And, it, and that's never addressed. It's never yeah. addressed like why he's so visceral with his reaction against right. that. I think. I, I mean, like it literally just seems like. If I'm making inferences, her name was in Ian McNeese's book of, like, messages he had heard. So, like, yeah. he had heard messages about this woman who died in the car crash. And so, like, I, I, I don't know. Do you think Ian McNeese had, like, approached this guy at some point and was Maybe. like, I'm hearing weird messages about your wife? And, but, like, then you would think he, the, the message should be, no, like, that other fucking guy already told me this shit. I don't want to hear like anymore. It yeah, yeah. I don't hear any more of it right now. So it's just, like, it is really bizarre that he gets so angry. Or it could just be that, like, his wife was consulting with Ian McNeese before she died. Yeah. It's super unclear. Yeah, no. I, I, I don't get why he's so fucking angry. I mean, again, like you're right to be angry because this man comes up to your wife's yeah, funeral but, being like let's talk about messages yeah no yeah it is very a quick sort of irate response yeah and so from here is where like it, this is like the, the the end game sort of so after this happens he drags Deborah what the fuck is that oh it's a guard is it EVP <laughs> it's EVP this is what we're hearing <laughs> That's that so close. We're gonna have to play this back later and see what it's saying. That sounds like uh, like some like, literal like little Italy thing. It is, right? Or it sounds like the yeah. the, the Zorba the Greek. Yeah, yeah. Someone's, someone's coming by like a gondola or some shit yeah. right. outside. But no, Deborah Carunger, he like drags her to his house and is like, "We're gonna sit here and we're gonna watch the tapes." And that's when like she appears on the tape right. saying, "John, it hurts." And uh, they're like, well, shit, that means you're going to get injured. So he tries to, like, babysit her. Right. But he does a very bad job of it, to be fair. Well, I don't know if he does asleep. because he, he, like, literally leaves for three minutes. And, like, in those three minutes, like, the ghosts appear. I get, I mean, like, I, I sort of wonder, I, I guess, if you were, so if you were in this position, if you were Michael Keaton in this world, and your friend saw an image of herself on the tape, like, yeah. in pain, being like, it hurts, John, what would you do? I'm just sort of curious. Like, what would your response? B. I think you'd try to sleep in the room with her, but right. like, I, I don't think that you'd think... I don't think that you'd be prepared for, oh, the demons are going to make her jump off of a roof. I think I'd right. be yes. waiting for, like, the house to... Like, a, a some sort of final destination -y, Yeah. Like, a light fixture falls on her, or... I don't think that you think that she's going to do something. I guess so. I feel like I would just never want to leave that room ever. Yeah, ever. but like, you do have to. You're gonna have to. If she's sleeping and like you need to use the bathroom, are you just gonna piss in a bottle yeah, or something? Yeah, you got houseplants. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't think it's unreasonable in this case. To have left to, to go to think, the like, I'm gonna go to get a drink of water. I know, but boy, the first time you leave, the I demon know. show, like, what, what, man, what are the odds? I know. Can't I get mean, away with nothing. He should have been prepared for those when those lights flickered. That's how he, should, he should have been the, the big indicator. Yep. But again, it happens in like record time because I no. think he turns around when the lights flicker. Like, oh, that's bad. Yeah, and he walks back in. She's he already on the balcony. She's already on the balcony. Like on the edge. Fall. I have to imagine it's like the ghosts were all like hiding out in different items being like, Get out, get out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's here. We gotta move fast. <laughs> yeah, they were sitting in the room waiting. Then yeah. when he went to like go get the drink, they popped and be like, later! That's, why, that's why when they appear, it looks like they've just sort of dropped in yes. from right. the ceiling. They kind of have like, they're like, whoop, like just whoop. like, yeah, their arms are like, whoop. Yeah, they popped out. That was pretty funny to watch that happen. It's Truly, like, they like just jumped off of like an aircraft or yeah, something. Yeah, every image that you get out of this is actually very goofy. It is. Yeah. And I think the first one for a second is almost scary because it is sort of unexpected. Like, you know something's going to happen yeah, because yeah, of the yeah. way the shot is framed, but, like, you don't really know what you're going to see. And then all of a sudden you just sort of see, like, these 
outlines Figures. for like a fraction of a second yeah. walking toward him. And it's kind of like, okay, that's effective. Then almost every other time after that, it's just sort of like, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Like there are three shadowy outlines. They're going to show up on a monitor. They're going to show up in the distance. You're going to see their ghosts flying away from the car crash. Like, I get it. It's yeah. fine. But it's like not very many images of them are spooky. No, I agree. Especially toward the end when they're like actually physically assaulting him. It's not that scary of a sequence because they're just like, like, they're CGI men. What? They just look like the generic ghost from The Haunting. Right. Yeah, I mean they're just like they're just like gray outlines. Yeah. Yeah. Of of people. So it's like, I I don't know, like yeah. And they're always kind of like, oh! Yeah. I'm I'm sure if this happened to me, I wouldn't like it very much, but here we are. Well, anyway, the end of this movie is very bizarre and confusing so he he eventually figures out after this point that like he knows where the, the last missing woman, missing woman is that right. he's hearing on the tapes and he right. goes to this abandoned thing and he finds that there's another EVP thing set up right where the worker that they met earlier a worker who has who there is one met. scene of this guy there is a scene beginning. where Michael Keaton and someone else I guess who he works with or his boss or something mm-hmm. is going down an elevator to a building that he is building the elevator stops that's when Michael Keaton gets the phone call from his dead wife mm-hmm. that like frazzles him then all of a sudden the elevator starts up again the door is open and that guy that another co-worker of his yeah. is standing out there and just like hey you guys alright we don't that's see it. him ever again after that up until the end point where he shows up at the end with the woman tied to the chair and all of the um, EVP technology set up to the point that when that guy showed up the first time I asked you guys like is this someone we know and like, it felt like who, it would be who is this like no yeah. the movie reacts as though like you're supposed to know who this is I legitimately could not have told you who it was I think honestly had you guys not been there and told me like this is the guy from the beginning yeah. his co-worker I would not have made the connection until the movie shows a flashback of the guy looking at them as they get off the elevator. And that's it's, how you know this is a good movie. Right? Yeah, right? It would have made more sense if it was just some guy you didn't know. I would right. find it easier to swallow if it was literally some rando serial killer than someone who we had yeah. kind of met for one scene earlier. And it's not so to imagine, too, that when he had that scene in the elevator that he he, he was so casually talking to this guy whose wife he just killed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's nuts. Right. But anyway... It is this guy, and he says, like, the <laughs> ghosts make me kill people. He's right. the, they. He yeah. So, again, we don't know who the fuck these right. things are. The idea is, that, like they say, he's just been doing EVP, I guess, yeah. on his own, and that has somehow allowed these ghost, ghost baddie lads. Tell him to do things. Yeah. They're, like, possessing so, like, him. They're right. They're not really. They're just sort of, like, encouraging him. I guess he was, you know, one bad day away from snapping yeah. anyway, and the ghosts were just taking advantage or of him. Maybe they possess him sometimes. Or I don't they, like, know. Down. I don't think that they are possessing him, because you see them separate from him at the end. So I have to assume that they're not physically there or yeah. something. They, they found a guy who's a fucking psychopath and is willing to kill women because, like, this. yeah, they pushed him a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's... It's a truly bizarre ending. It is. And... It's unsatisfying. It yeah, doesn't really go to anything. At the end of the day, his wife unsuccessfully tries to tell him to go, and these ghosts end up, like, fucking... Breaking his legs, bones, yeah. Throwing him off a cliff, yeah. and... At the end of the movie, you got this poor orphaned son. Right. I guess he's got a mom still. He, I mean, he's got a mom, but like nonetheless, you know, he saw his stepmom die. Yeah. His dad his is parents. dead. He also had like a month or so of his dad slowly losing his mind before yeah. he dies. This can't have been a picnic for the little kid is what I'm saying. What a just a grim situation that is too. It is sort of a downer ending that Michael well, Keaton bizarre. dies. And, and for is- what? This is why I wanted to recommend this movie, because the ending is so nuts to me, because it tries to end on this horror movie note where, like, 
ah, Michael Keaton's voice is coming through the right. radio, and, and and the ex-wife, who's the only smart character in the movie, is like, nope, and yep, she's just like, let's get out of here. Off. Let's get out of here. And then it cuts to the fucking now probably paralyzed yeah. Deborah Karunger, who's just like, Watching the funeral from a distance, and she sees the spooky shadows. Right. She's like, oh, and then and it does like, this jump cut. Yeah, there's a lot of like quick camera pans, like, whoosh, whoosh, yeah, like up in the tree, up in another funeral, right. over here, over this way, <laughs> and there's just like a shot of her, and then all of a sudden the camera like shifts to her left as though something will be there. Yeah, and, and where's there's like spoon? a sting, a noise. Yeah, and there's like a, a yeah, spooky noise, nothing. but nothing's there. Yeah. And so I guess it's just supposed to be that like for the rest of her life she's, she's going to be looking over her shoulder, her, waiting for the demons to show up. But also from like a movie making standpoint, didn't that just feel like we need to end this on a scary? moment. Do we have anything? No. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a really quick, like, half pan yeah. to the left, to the camera left, and then just give me a music scene that's going to tell the audience it's scary, and then cut to... I mean, it almost sort of feels they were like, and we'll put a special effect of a demon in there at the end, right? And they're like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, we'll do that. And all of a sudden, like, you're at the premiere, like, did you? Did wait, you? wait, did you? <laughs> no, I thought you were going to oh, do that. Shit. <laughs> just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's, just, that, that's a very plausible scenario. Honestly, that, that feels, that feels correct. Yeah. Because it does feel like, what the fuck? Right. Something, yeah. something should have been there. Something should have happened, but instead, nothing, uh, nothing happens. She looks shocked. Yeah, no, something. she does look shocked. That's why I literally thought that it was going to be, and a car comes down the street and hits her. Yeah. And she dies. Finally, the loop is completed or whatever. Yeah. But, uh, no, she doesn't. It cuts to black, and then fucking that cheesy Our Lady Peace song comes right. on. And it's like, what movie did you think we just watched? Right, right. But yeah, is this like a gentle movie about like how you miss your wife yeah. and how like someday you're going to see her again? Like yeah, it's not really it's that very movie. In poor taste to play a song about like how you believe your your loved one to be out there somewhere. Yeah. In a movie we just found out that like really don't bother looking into that. Oh, right, right. It's, yeah, you know, it's just going to cause yeah. problems for you and your wife doesn't want you to do it anyway. Or yeah. no, you know what? Go find a nice blind psychic who has all of the barriers put in place. Yeah, yeah right. And like, go do this with her. When you're going to talk to ghosts, guys, use protection. Use protection. <laughs> use ghost protection. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, that's uh, that's it for story, man. That's we've covered it. That's yeah. Top to bottom. I think we're even being kind. Yeah, I think we are. This it, it's 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 a mess. I don't yeah. know what else to say. Like this, the story is just this is. It's, uh, it's unfocused yeah. is I guess the largest issue in the do life. you guys uh, briefly want to talk about the acting in the yeah. performances yeah. honestly there's not a whole ton to say well, Michael I mean, there's not that many characters Michael Keane's the only one acting well, as yeah. we discovered yeah. in the trivia he <laughs> yes. confessed to phoning it in in the yes. director's commentary which yes. I haven't confirmed but is would it be a legendary thing I, I have not either but it feels right which is also funny because I would actually say he's the only person who's like making choices in this movie and like even Michael Keane not firing on all cylinders I mean, it's like I, you get something out of Same it. with, like, the big wedding, right? Like, yes. yeah. when you get <laughs> that many people... When you get actors that color, even if they're not trying, like, eventually something will happen, right? Yeah. You can't turn off the charm fully. I do think that Michael Keaton does a pretty decent job in this movie. I, I'll agree that maybe he's phoning it in, but, like, maybe it's a shitty movie, so there's not a whole lot of method acting you need I, to prepare for this anyway. I think there was a pretty low ceiling in terms of how much you could really elevate. Right. So, like, yeah, even like on his best day, you know, doing his best acting of his career, you're not going to get anything better. It's also just because it, it's not an interesting story. Right. It, it's not a satisfying story. It doesn't give you really anything you want. It's from, just, a, from a horror story or a ghost you, story. You, or, all you need of this guy is for him to be, like, obsessed. Right, yeah. He has to look, like, haunted. He has to look very intense. Michael Keaton's very good at doing those two things. Yeah. You know, he's 
Michael Keane's great, you know, like great comedy. He's great drama. He can do anything. It's nice seeing him in movies. I wish it wasn't a piece of shit like this. Yeah. It is fairly indicative, I think, of sort of where Michael Keane kind of was for a while in his career, where it felt like he kind of like fell off the earth for a while. And then Circa Birdman, which is a movie I didn't particularly care for, but like, it's good that people were giving Michael Keaton kudos again. Yeah. He was just sort of in a place, I guess, at that point where he just wasn't really doing anything interesting Paddling or too around big. In the yeah. Like maybe he was focusing on other shit. Maybe he just needed like a quick payday or something. I don't know. Who can say? I'm glad that I at least had Michael Keaton to watch in this right. movie. You know, like it could have been a much shittier, much boring actor. And then there would be literally nothing for me to go off of in this movie. And no one to carry it or drive it forward. Right. Really. But at least with Michael Keaton, it's like, well, I, like I'm getting the like the vestiges of quality right. here just because you're lending it to this movie. Um, I, I would say character wise, there's only two other people to talk about. And I guess one would be Deborah Kara Unger. Sarah? Was yeah, that her name? that's her name. Her name is Sarah. Again, not a lot is being asked for of a performer here. Yeah. Just to be sort of like sad and monotone. Yeah, she has to look very, again, also like was directed to be very haunted, you know? Yeah. Like, right. It's just, you should sort of look vaguely terrified at all times. And we don't really know a whole lot about her character. We know that her fiance died several months prior to the start of the that's movie. It. And that she feels better now because she and Ian McNeese got some sort of confirmation. Right. Confirmation yeah. that like there is an afterlife and he's okay there. And so now she feels better, I guess. You you would almost think that that would change her character in some way, but for the rest of the movie, her character still feels kind of like depressed, right? Haunted and troubled, almost to the point that like as you're watching this, you expect there to be a point where her character is, please stop involving me in this. Right. Like like I I'm ready yeah. to move on at this point. Like I've done everything I can possibly do. I got the confirmation I wanted. I want to help you. I want to consider you a friend, but like you can't keep dragging me down into this again. It never really comes yeah. to that point because we don't really care about her character. Mm -hmm. So like, what can you get? And even after this like affirmation she receives her whole her whole performance can only be described as like droopy eyed yeah like her eyes she looks like half asleep at all times she does like yeah grief, just like her, she never has any energy and it's like it, it looks like to me it looks like she's been like she's on an all nighter and she's yes, like just showing yeah. up the next day she's like no I can still do it come on let's yeah. do it let's she's do it. Like, come on power through it and yeah. yeah she's always kind of talking down here at this tone so <laughs> When she's, like, laying, dying in that hospital bed and she's like, it hurts. I'm like, I can't tell from your performance because it's the same way you've been acting yeah, this Yeah, this is your same level of energy. Yeah. Kind of just, like, inert, like, most of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I don't know, I feel like there's no diff... It's weird that there's no difference in her performance before and after she gets that kind of, like... This epiphany oh, or like, revelation. Yeah, it's okay. Right. And to be fair, I guess you don't see her much beforehand. So, like, when you yeah. see her immediately, she's crying because she's so happy because she found out this message from her fiancé. Yeah. But again, it does feel like if that message came at any other point in the movie, you'd still be like, okay, I guess it's sure. Like, it doesn't feel like her character is demonstrably different after the fact as she would have been if we had met her three scenes earlier before. Before yeah. she got this message from her husband. Yeah. You know, it's just... I, again, her character's not really given an arc or a place to go, so, like, what can you do with it, you know? You just kind of have to stay at the same level all the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, I don't know... I, Rebbe Culture? Yeah, McNeese, Ian McNeese. Yeah. You know, he... It's, I feel like this character and this acting is, is like, a very particular school of, uh, you need someone to play, like, sort of crazy nut job. Yeah. A shouty eccentric. 
Yeah, and he does that very well with this. He's got the good voice for it. Yeah, I, I think like that's the thing. I have urgent news for you. It, it's sort of interesting because I feel like the way he's portraying this character lends it a little bit of dignity that might not yeah. normally yeah. be there. And gravitas. Yeah, like part of the thing is his character is dressed like very schlubby when you first see him. That's like, scholarly, right? Well, a little bit, but it's also just sort of those things. He's wearing pants that come up to here or something. Yeah, and like yeah. he's dressed like a substitute teacher or something. It feels like when you see him, the movie wants you to immediately think like, oh, this is just some rando guy, like some run of the mill schlub from the suburbs. His performance, I think, makes it feel a little bit more authentic and interesting than mm-hmm. it might have on paper. Yeah. Well, he's um, a good look. He, is, he kind of looks like a weirdo, right? Like He yeah, does, he yeah. Like a, he's like... He shows up as like a creep, and he has the appearance to ver- to sort of augment the creep factor of the fact that he's creeping on. Right, the fact that he's just been stalking Michael Keaton yeah. for the first part of the movie. If, if it's like fucking uh, Rich Gear creeping on you, yeah. you wouldn't be as like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, as yeah. it is with Ian McNeese, who's right. like a bit weird looking and drives an old van. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, like, no, it's not like some handsome, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, studly guy. I don't think there's really anyone well, else. I, I would also just, with Ian McNeese, that I feel like it's, I can't claim to know him that well or anything yeah, or follow yeah. his career, but it feels like kind of a waste of him to have him in literally three scenes and then he gets killed off. Unceremoniously. And like, yeah. again, this is maybe more of a story complaint, but it's... Uh, if this is what happens to people who, like, listen to EVP and, and mess with stuff, how has he survived this? Right, now, how has anyone survived in this? Yeah. Surely there are, like, message boards. It's 2005, right? Surely we have message boards where people are like, my friend who's been doing this just got crushed by all his EVP equipment. Yeah. I don't know. This is weird, right? That someone else is like, hey, funny coincidence. So did my friend who was also doing this. Maybe people should be like, hey, let's watch out. Yeah. My psychic friend who is blind has told me, don't do this. This is very bad. She has safeguards. We do not. It's yeah. almost like Michael Keaton never takes it in and that was only in there for the viewer or something. Well, I mean, you know they never I mean? do really. It only seems like he he dies from a narrative point so that like he can't provide them any information he might have, you yes. know, I guess. Presumably he's That's something dig, of an dig, expert. Dig through his archives. Right, after exactly. That but like it doesn't seem to affect anyone that negatively no. in terms yeah. of Acting or it's yeah. a it's a waste of a character. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think I think he's yeah I, I think his performance is pretty good for what is like a three scene one and done character. Mm-hmm. It, it's to his credit that I can watch it and be like, oh, I wish I wish he had a little bit more to do here. Yeah, yeah, that's all I had. Well, I would say the one other character I think worth mentioning is the psychic, played oh. by the blue fairy oh, from yeah, Once Upon yeah. a Time. Um, I forget her name. Keaton. Is her first name? I don't remember her name. She's got a type in a name. Yeah, if you want to talk, talk about her briefly, real quick. She I'll find is, her name. Yeah, I mean, a, an, another waste of a character because she yeah. shows up for one scene, and it, not only does it add a fascinating dimension to the story that is left completely unexplored. Yeah, that Keegan she's Connor, legit. Keegan Connor Tracy. Keegan Connor, yeah, she's real. She's yeah. a real psychic. She has a real ghost guide or whatever the fuck yeah. she claims to have. That is apparently like a safe way to interact with ghosts. Right. And we just ignore that and move on. It's a window into a whole other possibility of what this movie could have been. It's also weird that she's only in one scene, because I feel like she's the closest we come to to, like, a full explanation of what's going on. Yeah. Because she's the one to be like, okay, what you're dabbling in is actually so much worse. It's one of the, so like, the thing, when when that scene first started, what I thought the scene was going to be is he's meeting someone who purports to be a psychic, and this woman is just full of shit. And he immediately leaves being like, no, this is bullshit. I have to go back to my EVP. Mm-hmm. What you're telling me is absolute nonsense, because you can't tell me anything about my wife. But what she does tell him is she tells him, like, actual things that happen. She picks up on things. She picks up on Willow Avenue. She says, your wife is pregnant, wasn't she? She actually does know things. And so then when she later says, like, you're messing with some bad things. I have means of preventing negative interactions. You do not work with me with this. Yeah. Don't do this on your own. You're immediately like, this woman does know what she's talking about. She has a purpose in this story, but 
she doesn't because yep. she never shows up again. Yeah, it's it's fa- and she is well portrayed. Yeah, um, and it's an interesting character. Like, and she's blind, which the movie never explicitly states. Also, am I you wrong? You pick it up. Yeah. You pick it up because like she's not looking at him, and you think maybe it's just like, oh, she's psychic, so she's like focusing the beyond, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like later, whenever she gets antsy about it and stands up underneath the wall, she's still looking at him, and you think like, oh, she's shell shocked because of what she noticed. But then like later, when she chases him out into the, the hallway, she's feeling for things. Yeah, and, like yeah. you get like, oh, this woman's actually blind. And, like this is another interesting character trait right. that you're offering me right now. This blind psychic who actually can tell you what's going on, who knows this world better than any of you do, and the movie's instantly like, nope, no yeah. more of her. Having answers. Yeah, <laughs> no thank yeah. you. Go away, psychic. Ugh. And I, it's it's a fun performance. Again, another fun one-and-done character. That we could have used more of. Yeah. 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 In a movie that sort of yearns for more interesting performances, <laughs> these things stand out to us. You know? <laughs> and she's, we've seen her in a bunch of stuff, and she's good. Yeah, she is she's good. Magicians. magicians, Once Upon a Time. Once Upon a Time. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, I feel like she went evil at some point once upon a time because who didn't? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Everyone turned evil at some point or someone else showed up and we found out that they were secretly evil. Yeah. That was every episode. That was every season once upon a time. Yeah. A new secret big bad who somehow made people forget things. Well, we have to make the, the big bad of last season have their redemption arcs. And right. So, a new right. So someone new and much worse has to come up. Yeah. And it's the Snow Queen, but it's not Elsa the Snow Queen. It's the different Snow Queen from the book, but Elsa's still a character yeah. too. So don't worry, guys. Wait, so we've got synergy. Separate? Yeah. There is like Elsa. Elsa, and there is the Snow Queen from the Hans Christian Andersen. Look, this is me remembering something that I watched like 10 years ago. I would say, so they're vague credit. It does a good job of making you think this is Elsa. And it turns out that like, no, this is the Snow Queen and she's bad. This is not Elsa. It's, it's, it's a fucking, it's a fucking nonsense of a show. You know, it had a, it had a solid first season and then everything just immediately sort of like flew off the rails. You know what? Game of Thrones is like child's play when it comes to Once Upon a Time. <laughs> like, so the complicated yeah, mythos. To the, to the web, yeah. You want to have a fucked up to canon. Yeah, I know. Yes. You want to you 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 need to like have a wiki open during every episode to see like who's related to who and what they're doing here and why they're behaving this way. Go look at Once Upon a Time. You'll Once never Upon figure a Time out. is basically like staffed by fan fiction writers yeah, as it far truly as I'm is. concerned. Like, for better or for worse. Oh god, those highs were such good highs but those <laughs> Lows were such lows. <laughs> all right, let's talk about fixes. Yeah, yeah, all right. I can start. I, sure, go yeah, go for it. Has a good idea for this movie, anyway. Um, <laughs> so uh, a lot of what we've been talking about is about how this movie is too many things at once and can't make up its mind about which of them it is. So I just want I I just lash onto the thing that I care about the most that I'm more interested in, and I think I want to make it. Uh, uh, we're gonna just cut out the horror altogether, and it's going to start as this man who is is looking for uh, closure from his dead wife, who is definitely dead. Definitely dead. No mystery involved. Was she murdered? She was... I don't care. Accident. I don't uh-huh. think she was murdered. I think it was an accident. I think he's just trying to find his dead wife, and he can't find his dead wife, but what he does find at first is, like, all of these other... There's some sort of spectral figure out there that's... or he's getting messages about about people who are uh, dead by this like serial killer that no one has found yet and mm-hmm. and maybe you see that early on that there's like some nutcases on the, on the run and so the movie is like he's ignoring it at first because he's filtering it all out because like he doesn't care about that shit he only cares about why you know hearing his dead wife right um but eventually, like, enough of these filtered through voices are saying similar enough things that he realizes that they're all connected and they're all, like, the victims of these dead people trying to convey, like, information about 
the fact that they like how they died. So he's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, like I'm somehow somehow I'm the recipient of all of this. Yeah. Like I don't know why. Uh, and I, I'm bringing the psychic back because I like the psychic. Mm-hmm. And I think that there probably is some sort of like spooky entity that's seeding this to him somehow, and mm-hmm. I, I haven't really figured out how. Uh, but I, I think he has to... I'm getting rid of the EVP guy altogether. I'm just going to say that he, like, looked it up on the internet or some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe he got that bi- the business card of that guy, and he introduced him to it, and then after that we don't hear about him ever again. Or maybe he turns up dead halfway through the movie, and you're like, ah, well, that's the spooky shit that we learned about. Yeah. But I want to have the psychic be there as, like, someone that he goes to at first, early on, with about the dead wife and she can't get a beat on his dead wife yet mm-hmm. um and it's because I want I kind of want the end to be like um your dead wife doesn't have anything to say because she's moved on successfully like you, you like she doesn't have you know what I mean like yeah she didn't have any unfinished business you should be glad that you're not hearing right, from right, right. your dead wife um but I want it in the process to become like because he went down the EVP path and now he's getting these like spooky messages, he he has to go back to the psychic or the psychic gets involved again somehow because he's like, I fucking told you not to do that shit. Um, and now we got to solve this mystery. And at the end of it, they solve the mystery and he gets this closure that like his dead wife's actually fine. Yeah. And that's that's the whole point. Like you, if you don't hear, it's no news is good news when right, it comes right, to the right. dead. That's my fix. Awesome. Right. I like that. I do like the lesson, by the way, that no news is good news. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a lesson we can all get behind. That's the log line of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> no news is good news. I'm going to follow that away for the, the spirits bard. Yes! The grave cleric that I want to play someday in D&D. That would be amazing. <laughs> no news is good news when it comes to the dead. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good catchphrase for sure. Yeah. Um, I can go next. Yeah. If that's cool. Okay, so uh, I did a bit of a reshuffling of this. So in this scenario, Michael Keaton is still constructing, or is... While he is in the act of, like, designing and constructing this large residential tower, mm-hmm. of which, you know, he's kind of building this, like, dream space for him and his wife and his child. Sim Tower. Exactly. Oh, you sold me. Um, Take my money. It's actually Sim Tower the movie. Oh, yes. We just, beautiful. we backdoored our way into it. Um, we'll say that she dies, and, you know, I, I want her to be dead by the time the movie starts, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like she died... Uh, seemingly the victim of a ongoing or like a serial killer that's still at large. He is no longer, like he just can't be in that space that he created for his family. So he kind of relocates down uh, to the ground floor where he's noticing that his like intercom, the like thing that someone would like buzz from the outside to get in has been very staticky and fritzy. And he's like convinced he can kind of hear a voice that he thinks might be his wife. Mm -hmm. Um, He confides in this to the building super who's on the same level as he's at building supers. Like, Oh, I'm actually in this little bit of like a, like a paranormal club. And we'll say that's how Michael Keaton gets exposed to EVP. And I think this club is going to be like the super, uh, our Bobo, uh, what's his face? Robbie Coltrane. Robbie Coltrane. Thank you. And like, I think the psychic is in there too. And I think he kind of learns from the psychic that like, no, actually that was something else. It seems like your wife does want to, uh, contact you, but something's blocking it. And what I want to have happen is, while he's exploring all of this stuff through EVP and or supernatural stuff with this group, we come to find, like, I think individual members of the group are starting to die. 
Um, I think the psychic has warned that, like, you know, what we were doing was really dangerous. I can't necessarily guarantee everyone was using, like, the correct safeguards. Uh, but I want it to be revealed eventually that the super is the serial killer. His continued presence is why the wife still couldn't, like, break through. I'm thinking it's some kind of, like, implied ghost rule of, like, sure. if the killer is around, she's <laughs> not going to be able to, like, If the killer is this. around, you yeah. shan't make a sound. Ghost rule number one. Exactly. Um, so I think in, like, defeating him, he's able to kind of have one last moment with his wife mm -hmm. before she's gone. I think the voices he's hearing through the intercom and an EVP in general are other victims of the killer and that he's been, like, using, a, like, a sub-basement in the building for these, like, killings and the disposal of it. Yeah. And that's why they're in the building communicating yeah. through the intercom. I like that. I, I like the, the tower thing, especially. I think that's kind of interesting. I like the idea also that you have, like, this abandoned penthouse at the top where, like, no one lives and it's sort of, like, vaguely creepy because, like, it's designed to have people in it, but, like, it's just sort of empty and lifeless and no one's there. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the tower thing is a really good... Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I felt proud of it. Yeah, that Sim works for me. Sim Tower, colon, white noise, <laughs> coming this September. Sim Tower, the horror movie. Sim Myers. <laughs> Sim Tower. Sim, Sim Myers, Sim Tower, Sim white noise. Yeah. Tower, white noise. Sim Myers, Sim Tower, colon, white noise. Uh, <clears throat> this is, I think, by no means, like, the worst movie we've ever done, but I think this is like the most apathetic I've ever felt toward a movie that we've ever watched. Yeah. Like it's just it's the movie. It's the movie that I think I've had the hardest time like grabbing anything to go with. If I were to latch onto anything, I guess it just might be the tangential idea of EVP being a concept. Yeah, it's something I'm kind of a little sort of interested in maybe. And so what I guess it would be is I guess it would just be that his wife is unquestionably dead. She died in a car accident in the beginning. We know that she's dead. It was not the act of a serial killer. And maybe what I think it is is that while he's sort of trying to focus on all the memories he had of his wife. Like, you see a little bit of this in the movie where he's, like, watching home videos or something. Maybe he's, like, listening to a cassette tape because maybe his wife had, like, a music concert or right. something. And she's like, later we find out that, like, his little kid was playing with a tape player and erased it. And the dad's like, oh my god, you erased the tape. How would you erase the tape? And he's listening to it. And as he's, like, listening to nothing, he starts hearing, like, faint noises of his wife talking to him. And he's like, is this, like, from her music concert? Is this something else? Like, what's going on here? And then he, like, starts doing his own research and falling into it. And that's when he discovers EVP as a concept and that's how he then links up with I think it's going to be more of like a group of people so you're going to have like the Ian McNeese character the Deborah Carol Unger and the psychic is there too and she's maybe less overtly like nope don't do it than she is in the movie and she's a little bit more like we can do this but like let's be very careful about how right. we're doing this like you have to like you know play by the rules and all that sort of shit I kind of like the idea that he's finding sort of like almost a community to help him grieve the loss of his wife's death by doing this I kind of still like the idea that there are three lads who pop up and wreak havoc <laughs> the three lads the three ghostly lads pop up they keep causing issues and what I think the issue is going to be is that he eventually finds out his attempts to continue to talk to his wife are actually not helpful for her to move on to the afterlife. Like, it's not allowing her to move on. It's not allowing him to move on. It's kind of like these three lads are kind of like representational of the fact that he's not allowing himself closure and he's not allowing himself to move on from the fact that his wife has died and try and, like, finding a new peace with himself or something like that. So it's kind of just like, if you don't stop doing this, you're going to create more problems because, like, you can't just, like, let what's happened have happened. You keep digging this thing up that you have to come to terms with. If you don't let go of this, 
it's going to just it's going to like haunt you for the rest of your life right. it's going to cause problems for your wife it's going to cause problems for everyone else in this group who's trying to be here and trying to support you you have to please just stop doing this and it's just sort of like him coming to terms with that that's sort of an elegant dovetailing too of like is it the ghost thing or like is this more representational of the effect that this behavior right is it like a metaphor or is it a real ghost right yeah I like that I want to as an aside say that there's a um one of the K-dramas I watched was about exercising ghosts. It was called Tell Your Haunted House. And it was specifically that, like, she was an exorcist who was a realtor, Mm -hmm. and she would exercise haunted houses that were, like, not being sold because of all the hauntings. And there was a thread running through that where, like, her mother was the same thing. She was, like, a realtor exorcist. And uh, her mother died in, like, a failed exorcism that um, the daughter did. And the daughter has, like, a lot of guilt about, like, her mind. And, and since then, like, the her mom's ghost is, like, haunting the building they live in mm-hmm. where the exorcist took place. Of course. So she, like, she's, like, just living with, like, the ghost of her mom, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, like, a narrative thread of, like, she can't... She needs a medium to exercise ghosts, or she needs, like, some guy to, like, possess... to be possessed by the ghost so that she can, like, spiritually stab the ghost out. Interesting. But she can't get anyone strong enough to get the ghost of her mom out. Like, whenever she tries, it just doesn't work, and she's like, I don't know why, and it's an ongoing problem. I really need to get my mom to move on. It's bothering me. And it turns out that, like, the reason why she can't get rid of her mom's ghost is because she's the one keeping her mom's ghost there, mm-hmm. which was a really good story choice. And I like the idea that, like, Ghosts can have unfinished business, but also we can create that for them. Yeah, by, like, mm-hmm. we, like, we don't want to let them tethering them with her. Yeah, yeah. and like in particular, like her guilt over what she thought was her fault is making her mom stay because yeah. she, her mom is like trying to tell her like it's not your fault. Right. So this is a really interesting thread, and I, I done right. I think ghost stories like this can be very beautiful. Yeah, and I'm more interested in that than I am about like spooks, and right? Scares. <laughs> I mean, I like both, right? I think there's there's a yeah, yeah. place for both, right? And yeah. I think like this this particular story seems like it lends itself more to the emotional after effect of like a man and his dead wife. Yeah, like you want to delve into more of the emotional core of that than you do with like three lads popping up yeah. and giving right. spooks. Three spooky lads. Three spooky lads especially going to harass a widower. Especially if you're not going to do much with your spooky lads. There's just three of them and they're spooky. That's it. But Whenever we watched this movie for the first time, I was trying to think of the fix, like, vaguely in the back of my head the whole time we were watching it. I think it's the scene where he finds, like, this spooky empty building and he's calling the police officer. And his name is Jonathan Rivers. But in that scene when he's, like, calling the officer, he says, hey, it's John Rivers. And I read that as Joan Rivers. And I kept thinking, <laughs> what if, my better version of this is, what if it was about Joan Rivers? The ghost cast of Joan Rivers. No, just Joan Rivers cast as the Michael Keaton role. And so everything's the same except you have Joan Rivers. And I think it would go a little something like this. Oh, I was talking on the phone last night, and I kept hearing voices about dead things. It turns out it was my daughter calling about her career. Ah! Amazing. That's it. Thank Better you. movie. That's my bit. Better movie. Would we recommend no. this movie? No. Unequivocally not. Um, it's it, a dumb movie. There's nothing, there's like nothing to get from this movie, you know? When I mentioned to Paul that we were watching this, he was like, oh, I saw that in theaters, and he said he couldn't remember anything from it, because he said it just slips you? right from your head, and I was yeah. like, you're right. It doesn't stick to you. Yeah, right. It's a historical historical footnote of a movie. Yeah, yeah, like the only reason this movie is all interesting is because it made theaters realize that yeah. we could release movies in February and we could make money off of it. Yeah. There is no other reason to seek out this movie. Like this is, like I said, this was the hardest for me to fix, I think, just because there's nothing to grab me in this. You, you just know? don't care, really. Right. So it's like basically just, it's this is the flimsiest, you're latching onto the flimsiest things to try and like find something to find, to like like about this mm-hmm. movie, whether it's just like a few of the performances or the basic plot. If you don't have that to go off of, then there's just no point in watching it. Much. Yeah, just don't bother. Yeah, don't see it, guys. Don't see it. Would you recommend Brendan's John River impression? Yes. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
and, and I, I look I look forward to the feature length. <laughs> yes, when we do our bonus episode, which yeah. is just us reading through this movie and me being Joan Rivers as a character. character. We'll find a screenplay. Yeah. I'll be Deborah Carr. Okay. Hi. Just, just flat. Hi, Joan. I'll be a nickname. Your wife is trying to speak to you. I feel like what? I feel like you could actually. My wife. I feel like you could accidentally cross into Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. That's it. Right. a lot of Christopher yeah. Lloyd. It does, it does. It's like, it's like a more mannered Christopher, yeah, Christopher Lloyd. Lloyd. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. That was our episode about white noise. Yep, don't we, see it. No, don't, don't bother. It. Take it, take it here first. Back in two weeks. Back in two weeks with Mini Halloween. episode. Happy, happy Halloween. Merry spooktacular to Ooh. all of you. And let's get some white noise in here. Shh. Mikey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mikey. Let's go. <laughs> Last time I talked to you, you were lonely and out of place. You were looking down on me, lost down in space. Laid underneath the stars, strung out and feeling brave. Watch the red orange glow Watch you float away